Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. The Portland Trailblazers get in the playoffs. They will beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. That's Charles Barkley yelling at people right there. If the Blazers get in, they'll beat the Lakers in the first round. Well, let's see a show of hands. We'll never have to pay for that. Who thinks the Blazers are getting in? They got a they got a big hill to climb, PK. I mean, there's, I suppose there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance, but the Blazers are three and a half games behind the Grizzlies, four back in the loss column with eight to play. That's a big hill. Pelicans, though, will be without rookie star Zion Williamson for a little while. Is that going to impact the game? Nobody knows for sure. He left. It actually happened late in our show yesterday. An urgent family medical manner. He's going to rejoin the team at a later date. If he's out a week or less, then he'll quarantine for four days upon his return to the bubble. If he has a negative test every day, he's outside the bubble. So he could be back for the Jazz game, which is now 13 days away. 13 days for the first game. Although Donovan Mitchell in his Zoom interview was talking about uh, the game on the 22nd because they have scrimmages. And uh, they're clearly looking forward to scrimmages as if they were a game. They won't count the standings, but clearly they're ready to play. James Harden is ready. Mike D'Antoni, Rockets coach, said Harden back at Houston practice, and he said he looked good. He was probably rusty for about 30 seconds, and then he was back. Celtics guard Kimba Walker says he's pretty frustrated, dealing with a left knee issue that... Lasted throughout the four-month layoff. Says he's optimistic he'll be good to go in time for the resumption of the season, building towards the playoffs. Look at the Celtics. Celtics and Raptors. That could be a really interesting second-round series. And whoever survives, presumably, will be the first team to threaten the Bucks. I don't know. Maybe the Heat or the Pacers or the Sixers. So put some pressure on the Bucks in the second round. Don't really expect that, though. Bucks guard Eric Bledsoe tested positive for COVID-19. He hasn't traveled to Orlando yet, issued a statement that he feels fine, he's asymptomatic, looks forward to getting to Orlando once he passes the protocol. And we'll end where we started with the Blazers. Damian Lillard celebrated his birthday in Orlando, and he said he had one wish. It's one thing, what do you get the guy who's got everything, right? He's got the money to buy, what's he doing, like 25, 30 million, something like that. He's got the money to buy pretty much whatever he wants. Outside of an NBA team, I suppose. My only ask as a birthday gift is let's not waste our bleeping time out here. <laughs> you know, he was one who was like, hey, I don't want to go down there unless we got a real shot at the playoffs. They were three and a half out with, what, like 17, 16, 17 games to go. Give me a real shot. All right, they got a shot. It's not a good one. There's uh, odds makers, you know, and they do the, they run like 10,000 simulations and put the probabilities out there. And I think the Blazers are projected as having somewhere between like a, a 5 and 10% chance of making the playoffs. There's it's some slim. people saying that the Zion Williamson absence could boost Move those prospects. numbers. Yeah, yeah, move those numbers. If if Zion's gone, that gone. You know, he, he could be gone three days, be back, 
do the quarantine thing and still have basically a week to go before a game. So we really don't know if he's going to be there for games on the 30th or not. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Ron Rivera has stepped up and spoken. Why has Daniel Snyder not stepped up and spoken yet? When you have something this serious, and they're talking about your culture, the one who talks about building a culture, you need to get out there and address it and talk about it, and not just put your head coach out there to talk about it. That's Fox Sports' Jay Glazier on Daniel Snyder. It is weird the way Rivera's become the face and voice of the organization. The head coach is involved in the nickname change. Doesn't he have other stuff to do? Shouldn't he be watching film? It's a new gig. He's got a lot of players to learn about. You're going to have to watch a lot of film and do all that. What are you working on the name stuff for? And now he's talking about this. Washington Post with a uh, with a story about 15 women who previously worked for the team saying that uh, there was sexual harassment and verbal abuse by former scouts and members of owner Daniel Snyder's inner circle. Among those accused of misconduct, the director of pro personnel, Alex Santos, the former assistant director of pro personnel, Richard Mann II, longtime radio play-by-play announcer and senior vice president, Larry Michael. All three have left the organization within the last week. No allegations made towards team owner Daniel Snyder, former longtime GM Bruce Allen, who was fired last year after a decade with the franchise. There are allegations at this point. They're not proven, but man, the number 15 has got to make you think this isn't just, you know, one person with a beef and, you know, did they make it up at 15? It looks bad. You got to play out and lawyers have to have their day and all that stuff. But man, it it doesn't look good. The fact that those uh, multiple people have just left the organization, it's a lot of smoke. It is a lot of smoke. Now, we saw something like this with the Mavericks. Uh, This has been already compared to the Mavericks. It's been compared to the Clippers. You know, with the Clippers, there was audio tape. You know, now there's 15 people here. I don't know, you know, what they have. And there are a lot of people like to see Snyder forced out. How much of that is because of the way he's handled the nickname issue? How much of that is because of the way he's handled the franchise, the way he's dealt with, you know, people from players to agents to sponsors to, to ticket holders to the media? There's a lot to unravel there, but Jay Glazer's point, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look good that Ron Rivera's out there. How much is Snyder out there? Houston, Texas star J.J. Watt says NFL players want to play. There are questions that need answering ahead of training camp in the 2020 season. Texans rookies expected to report to Houston Monday, undergo COVID-19 testing and begin their onboarding process. Their onboarding process? Are they going on a cruise? I believe they want to play. NFL players have short careers. If you're only going to be in the league two, three, or four years, you know, depending on how many games, it's really games you play, not years, but, you know, usually you hit that number. I think it's about 30 games, and you hit that number in about your third season, uh, depending on how it works out for you as far as, you know, playing full seasons those first couple of years. But guys don't want to give that time up. It's short. There's a younger, healthier guy with more upside coming behind you, and then plus players, their bodies just get beat up, you know, and you're, you're not as quick. Lose a step and all that stuff. So I totally believe them that they want to play. But we've seen from other leagues starting, it never seems to be easy. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
I really wish we would have a commissioner of college football and we wouldn't have different leagues doing different things and have so much uncertainty up in the air. If we were more uniform, then we wouldn't be in a position that we are right now. And I hope that's something that we work towards. Well, people have been saying that forever, and now Mac Brown is the latest to say it, but it wouldn't be that hard to do and it doesn't get done, which, you know, logically makes you think, no, people have the power they like. The commissioners have the power they like. The big dogs in any conference, there always seem to be a couple schools that are more powerful than a couple other schools. They got more money, they win more, all that kind of stuff. We know who they are. They got more sway inside the conference. They don't want to give it up. Most people don't go through life thinking, I wish I had one more boss who could tell me what to do. If you're honest with yourself, there aren't many people saying that. So if I were Mac Brown, I wouldn't hold my breath. It would be handy. And I get it that different leagues are doing different stuff at different times. The West Coast Conference postponing the start of fall sports basically about a month, late September the 24th. Uh, it's not impacting BYU football or USD football, but in the sports where the West Coast Conference has championships, you know, the delay in women's soccer, the delay in women's volleyball. Two teams for BYU, they're usually pretty good. They don't get a lot of recognition. It's not as important as other stuff. But, man, when you get to the NCAA tournament, you know, people notice. And the women's soccer team is there a lot more often than they aren't. And they've got a chance to win a game or two. They can get Sweet 16. Uh, the women's volleyball team almost expect to get Sweet 16. They've been Final Four. And hopefully those seasons will still happen. Maybe they'll lose some non-conference matches, but hopefully they'll they'll get going in late September. But the West Coast Conference putting things on delay for a few weeks. NCAA Sports Science Institute released extended guidelines to help schools continue to navigate a return to fall sports. But NCAA President Mark Emmert conceded the virus is trending in the wrong direction. Today, sadly, the data points in the wrong direction. If there is to be college sports in the fall, we need to get a much better handle on the pandemic, Emmert said. They're recommending 72 hours of uh, testing and results within 72 hours of competition in high-contact, high-risk sports. And the AAC announced that they're going to do that, mandatory coronavirus testing for all football teams at least 72 hours before each game. A lot of speculation that maybe, maybe that'll help protect some non-conference games for the SEC, the ACC, the AAC schedules with both those leagues. And obviously the Big 12 also uh, still mulling over what to do with their non-conference schedule. You know, the thing about cutting that conference schedule down from 12 to 10 is you lose the money game. And honestly, the money game doesn't make quite as much sense for the home team if they can't sell a bunch of tickets to it. You know, that, that, that's not really scheduled for TV. That's the kind of stuff that ends up on the Pac-12 network or the SEC network or whatever. It's, it's not scheduled usually for ESPN or Fox. And then the other thing is you tend to be giving up a road game. And that's not part of your TV package. And you're not selling any tickets to that. Now, you might be getting a guarantee for it depending on how it's structured. You know, but at the Pac-12 level, they're not usually playing money games. I guess you could say USC, Alabama, you know, going to a neutral site. You're doing that for a check. But that that would probably, off the top of my head, that'd be the only example in the Pac-12. So you schedule that ninth and 10th league game, just schedule the 10th one for the Pac-12 because I already had nine going in the Big Ten as well. These other leagues, uh, the ACC and the SEC are only playing eight games. So, they, But they could bump it up to 10, give up their, their money game with the Citadel and a road game and move on. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
so predictable. So predictable. I actually referenced this a couple days ago. A-Rod wants to buy the Mets. Now he's added a couple more. He's got a lot of uh, athletes, and he's added a few more because they got a $1.7 bid, a $1.7 billion bid, and another group's got a $2 billion bid, and it looks like there might be a third group coming in with massively deep pockets. So I don't know that A-Rod's going to buy the Mets. He'd like to. He's working on it. And now suddenly he's all about the salary cap and about a limit on player salaries. Didn't want to limit anything when he was the one signing the 10-year, $250 million contract, but the shoe is literally on the other foot, so A-Rod's coming around. And I wonder how much he he really wants to do this and how much he just has to signal the owners, oh, I'm one of you guys. Approve it. Come on, I'm one of you guys. Although owners tend to like to approve the sale that's for the most money because it ups the value of their franchise. So A-Rod's doing what he can, but there have to be other players looking at him like, man... This is the this is the snakiest move you've done since you tested positive for steroids, tried to explain it away, and then tested positive a second time. A-Rod sh- shaking their head. Tony Clark, who's a union head, you know, you could come on, make a prediction. What is Tony Clark gonna say? This is this is dog bites really, man Alex? stuff right really? here. Alex benefited as much as anybody from the battles this union fought against owners' repeated attempts to get a salary cap. Now that he's attempting to become an owner himself, his perspective appears to be different, and that perspective does not reflect the best interests of the players. Shocking. Shocking, I say. Major League Baseball is going to be pumping crowd noise in from its official video game through ballpark sound systems during the games, according to reports. Stadium sound engineers will have access to 75 different effects and reactions. Well, don't hit the wrong button. The Cubs are at Wrigley and they hit a homer. I don't want to hear the boos. Oops, I hit the wrong button. It's easy to do. I don't do it anymore. I've had all that taken away from me. Yacht came all that. But back in the day when it I was Yacht's agent do. starting, Yacht, there were 12 sliders, those little things that go down and control the volume. And then there were three inputs at the top. So I had 36 choices, and only one was right. Well, and then you also had the, the screw-up. You start the right thing, but you got the slider down. But you had to have the right input. We'll be bringing in the network news until it's top of the hour. Don't have that thing punched up. Screwed that up more than once. Got good enough at it. I didn't get fired, though. So, you know, that was a positive. DJ and PK. There were still a lot of moving carts and a lot of media that were moving around, but the energy wasn't the same without the fans. That certainly was noticeably different, but there were certainly still a lot of moving parts with camera crews. Golf. <laughs> I like to be cheered, but would you people hold still in my backswing? Stop moving. Tiger Woods is back on tour, so getting his reaction to what it's like. Most of the other guys on tour answered this uh, you know, a few weeks ago when they were playing, but for Tiger, he's back, baby. Tony Finau birdied six of the six on the backside and and seven of the last ten holes, so he's got the lead at the Memorial six under after the first round. The second round now underway. Now the only thing with Tony, you know, we've seen him make these charges. We've seen him get hot, but he's going to be able to seal the deal. And of course, it's still only Friday, so he can't really seal the deal today. That's a ways away, but we're all curious. PGA Tour is moving towards having NBA star Steph Curry associated with a fall tour event in 2021. Plans have been in works for two years for Curry to host a tournament in Northern California. The San Francisco Chronicle reported an amended contract between the city of San Francisco and the tour would see Harding Park 
losing the 2026 President Cups in order to host a long-term event. So the Northern California event, the San Francisco event, has always kind of been Pebble Beach. Well, which it's not in San Francisco. It's down the coast a little bit, but it's easily drivable. But another, you know, a major media market put something right there in Harding Park that's more convenient. And the thing is, if you get a fall date in the Bay Area, the weather's way better. The fall is the best season. The summer, I don't want to get into it. I had to learn it in a class in high school, so I know why the summer in San Francisco sucks. But man, you're inland. You know, you're in that inland corridor with Walnut Creek and Danville, and you're a 45-minute drive from the city, and it can be 98 degrees. And you can drive into San Francisco, and it can be 71 degrees, and the wind is blowing, and there's fog. How did this happen? Tony Finau needs to pick it up. He's already on the course. He's, no, he's already falling apart. He's two over through four holes. Uh, so he's we've dropped, seen this, but we've seen this before. You he's can't dropped say back to a tie for second. You can't say you're surprised. No, but he's still got time to rebound. All right. Steph Curry associated with the tour. I guess that'd be good. A little celebrity. Just yesterday we were talking about. You know, how Jack hosts the tournament this week, and it's special. And he'll do the TV interviews, and they're greeting players when they walk off the green. And, you know, it's every generation, it's somebody different. But, you know, Byron Nelson had a stop on tour, right? Arnold Palmer always had that stop in Florida. Jack's always got the stop in Ohio. When Tiger and Phil are 75 years old, assuming they're in good health, knock on wood and all that stuff, you know, there are going to be tournaments where whoever the... You know, somebody who isn't born yet is going to be 23 and walk off the course and shake hands with them, and it'll be a big deal. Steph's a little different because it's a different sport, but man, in the Bay Area, he'd be the perfect ambassador. And, you know, we know he loves golf and has a passion for it. You just saw him at that celebrity tour in Tahoe, celebrity tour event. All right, DJ and PK, that is what is trending. And. As always, it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz at 8 o'clock. Brian Dunseth, RSL commentator. How is it going in the bubble? Is RSL that good or was Colorado that bad? And Dunny, you don't know about this, but there's one other team he roots for, and it is going to cause you to shake your head. It's not as bad as it could be. He could say something, and your head would explode. But he's going to say something else. You're going to go, that's weird. We'll get to that with him. And then, hopefully, we're going to hear from jazz players after practice. They got practice right through our show today, which makes Joe Ingles unavailable because he can't step out of a drill and tell Quinn he's got to talk to us. <clears throat> Quinn, I'm going to stop I shooting know. threes for the next 10 minutes. I know, I asked. I, mean, I just want to make sure. I mean, I was pretty sure I knew the answer, just in case. But if it runs a little long and, you know, you can you can really practice it. It doesn't matter, high school, college, pro. You know, practice goes as long as coach wants. And so whenever they send out these emails, and they, it's going to be available about 9.30. But then they tell you to check your email because it might be 9.10 and it might be 10.10. Because practice goes as long as coach wants. All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The 
Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sam Amick from The Athletic. It was good hearing your voice on the Zoom call with Donovan Mitchell. Asking him a little bit about Quinn Snyder. Sometime in the near future, we're going to be writing something about the coaching experience for every coach that's in Orlando and just how unique it is. And Donovan was good on the fact it's so much greater than X's and O's right now. Not only the virus, but the social justice conversations the players care so much about and the coaches do as well. And all of that stuff, it's cliche, but the bigger than basketball tag applies to their jobs right now. And, you know, it certainly seemed like Donovan was uh, giving a hearty thumbs up to the job that Quinn's been doing. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. And it's time now for Hot Takes or Toast. Brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Question of the day. It's up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. What really is unsalvageable? I think unsalvageable has now gone on to a, into the the sporting lexicon. Ooh, how about that? How about that for an $8 word for a Friday morning? Lexicon, that's right. And I go to the Walter Cronkite School of Broadcasting, but I got thesaurus.com and dictionary.com. So every once in a while, I'll bust out an $8 word. I don't know. Later this segment, I might break out an $11 word. Who knows? I think unsalvageable is right there. I think there's some things you say and you can always get a laugh with them. Three-hour practice. You want to crack up a jazz player, drop in a reference to a three-hour practice. Now, I don't even know why I did it, but we were interviewing Rudy about a year. Well, it wouldn't be exactly a year ago because it would be the middle of last summer. But it was uh, it was either early last, early this season, uh, November, December or something. I think it's probably when it was. Or it was late in the end of last year. And they'd had a long practice I said something about, oh, it's another one of these three-hour practices. And, and I was asking something about what they were going to work on. And it was kind of clear because there was something going on with the matchup that kind of made it obvious they'd have to work on it longer. I don't know what it was. Uh, and I referenced three-hour practice. And he, and, uh, he started answering. And then he kind of went, <laughs> and I kind of looked. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a Trey Lyles. So there, there's certain things, you know, numbers. You just say 34-31. Well, if you're a Ute fan or a Cougar fan of a certain age, you know exactly what that reference is, right? Those 1993-94 games when McBride made the rivalry a rivalry again. So unsalvageable now goes into the lexicon. What really is unsalvageable? And, and you people, look at you people just pissing each other off, quite frankly. Matthew said, I would say just being able to watch a game for the game without it being all political views and other crap. It'd be great if sports could go back to being about the game. Well, first off, I can. I've watched games and totally got lost in the game and not thought about anything else. Just in the last couple of days. Certainly in the last week. Now, having said that, RJ posts Joe Biden's mental health. Well, who's bringing politics into it now? Come on, people. Come on. PK... It's lack of discipline from our listeners is going to drive us all nuts. It's a perfectly yeah, think, good sports topic. Come on, people. I think this political stuff is overrated. I really do. Because as you said, when the game's being played, the game is being played. Right. 
So I think what you're going to have to do is if this bothers you is you're going to have to get over it. One, are you going to have to ignore it because I don't think it's going to be during the actual game. Now, I believe that you're going to see some signs as we did with the soccer with the Black Lives Matter during the actual game. But no one, at least when I was watching, was commentating on, oh, look at their T-shirts and look at their message. The message is what it is, and the game then takes over. So I think you're going to have to figure out a way to decompartmentalize because you're going to see it, and it's going to be seen going forward. I mean, we saw it in the NBA last year and uh, probably the year before because now instead of standing there with their hands on their hearts, they have interlocking over the shoulders or what have you. So they're sort of doing uh, that thing where – you know, you see as students, like at the BYU games, they'll do that at basketball. They'll interlock their arms around each other's shoulders, and then each row, one moves to the left, the other moves to the right, and then conversely. Well, here in the National Anthem, they're standing there. So it's, it's already a form of a political statement, but I didn't see where anybody was bothered by that. So what, what where are you going with this? You're going to be bothered by some political, but if it agrees with you or it doesn't offend you too much or you don't really m- mind it, it doesn't bother you at all. I mean, it's already beyond the traditional that we've seen for years and years, but yet the NBA didn't, there wasn't really much of a discussion on it. That's not the way it's supposed to be done, right? You don't see people in the stands holding hands or going over their shoulders with their arms. They stand there individually. So what is political and what bothers you? And it's the eye of the beholder, I guess. But I think you're just going to have to deal with it and just enjoy the games for what they are when they're played. Yes, I agree. And I think once you get in the game, the strategy of the game, I I think once you're in the middle of a jazz game on July 30th and they're playing the Pelicans, you're not going to be thinking. I mean, you're going to see it because it's going to have some slogan on somebody's jersey. But I think most jazz fans are going to be obsessed with whether those last two three-pointers went in or they didn't. Or whatever no call did or didn't go your way. Well, if it goes your way, you don't really worry about it. <laughs> but if there's a no call that goes against you, then, you know, you're mad at whoever the ref is. Hey, who really cares when you boil it down what 23-year-old Donovan Mitchell thinks? Why is his opinion more important than somebody else's? Now, I realize he has more influence. I understand that. But... I can find a 23-year-old who, if whatever Donovan is saying, I can find a 23-year-old who thinks the opposite. So isn't that what this country's about? You got your opinion. I got my opinion. You're allowed to voice your opinion. I'm allowed to voice my opinion. And then it goes from there. What's so bad about that? That's very old school of you. (laughs) And now, now everybody has to agree with me. People all get get all worked up about what LeBron James is tweeting. How, what is LeBron James's tweets doing to affect my life individually, better or worse? Probably not a whole lot. If I want to improve my life, it's probably going to be up to me. And if I think that cause ABC needs more attention, then I can devote more attention. You know, these folks here. And a lot of them are putting stuff out, and that's pretty much all they're doing. I've been hammering on this for weeks. Drew Holiday is donating his salary, like $5 million. Yeah, he he you and know. his wife, they, they, they were estimating $5.3 million. Yeah. That got my that, attention. That's doing something. Yeah. You know, that that's what I'm talking about. You can have all the slogans and sayings and post black squares on your Twitter feed or Instagram feed all you want. But really, what are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. Don't tell me about 
posting. Don't tell me that, oh, I should feel uncomfortable about this particular topic. Don't lecture me. That, I, you know, I understand yesterday somebody was lecturing. It, it, the, the lecturing doesn't work. Stop it. And the selective outrage doesn't work. We're outraged at the people in Provo, but yet there was tens of thousands of people in Los Angeles in the streets a few weeks back. Where was the outrage? I mean, so I've got, uh, I'm outraged here, but I'm not outraged there. No, that's pretty much how it works. This thing is just going to go on constantly. So get on with your life. Do the best that you can do and just live with it. So let's get on with the topic because we got some great answers from people. What is unsalvageable? Kevin. Comrex. What? Comrex. <laughs> That's radio <laughs> joke, people. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin with an excellent. I got to say, when I saw this PK, the first thing I thought was the Titanic. When I think of salvaging, <laughs> I think of, you know, the, the car that's been totaled in an accident. That can't be salvaged, you know, because I had a car uh, wrecked in the snow a year ago. Salvage yards. Yeah, salvage yards, right? You, you salvage a car or a ship. And that was the first thing I thought. Well, the Titanic's not sailing again. That's not going to happen. Uh, but Kevin went sports on us, and he nailed it. He's 100% right. You're not going to be able to argue with this. And you think, oh, come on. How can you be so sure? Well, Kevin says, what is unsalvageable? The old Salt, salt Palace Drum Arena. I don't know what that is. That's the arena that the team played in before this. It was a drum. You know what it looked like, PK? The architecture looked a lot like the Long Beach Arena. And the Long Beach Arena, you walked in and you went one, I think it was left to go to the arena and right to the convention center. Maybe it's the other way. And that was how the Salt Palace was built. There was a convention center and there was an arena. And once this arena was built, because we broadcast out of it now, they eventually tore down the old Salt Palace. They were both up for a few years uh, they were both up when the All-Star Game was here because they had events in both of them. But a couple of years later, I don't know, 90, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there, they tore it down and they expanded the convention center, which they then expanded again and again. But for a lot of jazz fans, there's a lot of good memories. You know, Big T, Thurl Bailey played a lot of games in that arena. Stockton alone. Well, I was going to say they played the first half of their careers in that arena. If they were normal NBA players, it would have been the first half of their careers. It probably ended up being... Basically, the first 40% or something like that of their career. I was never in that building. I can't respond to it. A lot of, lot of good memories for people. You got, an, you got a, an arena or a stadium you used to go to. It was cool, but, you know, progress, money, all that stuff. It got torn down now. Ebbets Field. There it is. A classic. I've never been to Ebbets Field. <laughs> Your dad probably was, though. He must have gone yeah. to a Brooklyn Dodgers game at some point. Yes, I'm sure he did. No, my the stuff that I see torn down is stuff that I'm glad is torn down. All those multi-purpose stadiums with the astral turf, yeah. and, <laughs> and it just looked like a cement block, and one looked no different than the other. Uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Those four always blended together. And it's funny because uh, probably the best teams, you might see any of them, but the Steelers had great teams in Three Rivers. 
And if you look at something like you'll see, uh, like the, the Immaculate Reception, you know, a play you'll see, they run into the end zone. Like at the end of the end zone is like a 17-foot wall. There's a couple random cars that are just parked there. And there's people just standing around. Now, all the seats come right down to the edge of the field. They realize how valuable those, that, that space is. Uh, but then it's it's the weirdest thing. You look at it like this is some dude's pickup truck is parked over there. Like, why was that? Okay? Why was that okay? Why was that a good idea? I don't know. But none of those stadiums were good ideas. But yet they had them, and they were ugly. Now all these stadiums, all these places that you just mentioned, have gorgeous uh, stadiums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, Pittsburgh and, and, with the baseball the, stadium, and you. Yeah. Not that I watch a lot of Pirates, but you just have to see one home run, one highlight, and man, the bridge and downtown—it looks great. Yeah, I was there a couple summers ago, yep. and it was a lot of fun walking across that bridge to go to the ball game. Everybody parks on the other side. Not everybody, but a lot of people because there's parking lots over there. And then you walk across the bridge and you go into that. It has some character. It has some. Uh, appeal to it i've been uh, let's say i've been the all the ones that you just mentioned which what's the ones that you just mentioned the round st louis cincinnati pittsburgh and philadelphia okay i've been to all four of those cities to watch baseball games nice in the new in the new stadiums nice and they obviously they have all sorts of character to it philly's grass yeah right philly's got the weirdest setup Although it kind of makes sense, it's probably less expensive to acquire the land because they they share parking. It's uh, Philadelphia and Montreal have basically like stadium complexes. It's almost like a stadium garden. Plant a stadium, water it, and a stadium will grow. You just like because you're driving down the freeway in Philly and you look over there. There's this huge parking lot. Well, first off, the NFL stadium is about 17 feet from the freeway. It looks like you could reach out and touch it, which, you know, in Vegas, which at 60 miles an hour would hurt your hand. So don't do that. Yeah. And but it's right across the parking lot. And there's the next stadium and there's the arena. It's classic. Uh, Yeah. Kansas City has that, too. They share a parking lot. They do. Baseball and football. Uh, that's not that uncommon, particularly with the stadiums being downtown now. They're close by, so there is there's a connection there, and and this is the way to go. Have some feel to it. Have some characteristic to it. Even a football stadium, which you know really the the field of play is going to be the same in every single stadium, but at least the at least it looks different. It looks unique, whatever it might be. And so those people who design those other things, they they should be punished. <laughs> well, I don't know that you blame the designer. I think the problem started before the design at the concept, because the idea was, well, let's build a stadium for the football team and the baseball team. We'll, we'll build one and we'll save money. And it was done all over the place. I mean, the, the four cities we mentioned, but, you know, Candlestick Park, Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum, San Diego, uh, had it. I mean, it was very common. Well, Mile High and Denver had it too, and it was minor league baseball when they built it. Um, but it was it was really common. Seattle, the Kingdom, was uh, had both. So it, it was there was all over the place. Yes, I celebrated when all those stadiums were imploded. Well, when we were down at the Holiday Bowl, and uh, you and Gordon and I were standing around just killing time before the game, you're like, "Where was the baseball?" You know, because they had a couple sections you could slide around on the on the ground, the field level, so it wasn't completely obvious. But the press box, we were sitting down at the the fifteen twenty yard line. 
you know, because they kind of split the difference between home plate and midfield. So we ended up at like the 20, which wasn't as bad as what you had when you went to the, the Giants stadium for the Cal game where you're actually, you know, home plate. But Yeah. I couldn't Whole see a thing. Play was the back of the end zone. Yeah. And the bad thing for the Utes is nothing was worth seeing. Bada bing. All right, here's another good sports one. And there is politics through this. And I'm skipping it. I'm editing out the politics, people. Uh, Alex, answering the question of the day. What really is unsalvageable? Henry Columbia, starting quarterback for the Aggies. That's a bizarre story. You know, I thought about that. The I, you know, I guess there's, so. it, is, it is an unusual story. Um, but I don't know if I go to bizarre anymore. I'm interested in hearing why you went there because you tend to be very precise with your use of language more than I am. Um, but he's in the, the transfer. But I think, and Yach probably knows the stat, a transfer winner, you're not 100% gone in the portal. You can come back. You can withdraw but, your name at any point. But it does seem yeah. like you're 98% gone when you're in the portal. I mean, I it's, don't think... Yeah, I don't think in this case you can withdraw your name. Yeah, this not is a, not a not a quarterback. Not a quarterback. Quarterback's a very interesting deal because once you go in the portal as a quarterback, you're out the door essentially. Right. I mean, and, and it comes on the heels of a kid transferring Correct. in. Yeah, you have a Pac-12 quarterback transferring in. So, here. haven't you basically already lost the team? So I think he's gone. So I think this case is bizarre. Now, maybe it's because I'm not following all the other cases relative to the transfer portal throughout the country uh, in football. Uh, but, you know, it seems that you can't get out on the field. And here in, in this situation, you were the heir apparent for two years, it seems like. And yep. we've heard, we heard good things coming out yes, of Yes, we did. Absolutely. practice reports and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, you're thinking, all right, and we had heard that if Jordan Love was going to come back, because he gave up a year of eligibility, right? He was just a junior, that Henry was going to go uh, if Love came back. Well, then Love doesn't come back. And so then you're thinking, all right, Henry's the guy. But then late, late in the process, not in the spring, but late in the process, they get a transfer in Jason Shelley, who I don't think is a proven commodity as a quarterback, I thought there would be competition and obviously whoever wins the job wins the job. But then 48 hours later, he's gone. I just thought that whole thing was bizarre the way it played out. Kevin says the Cougars football superiority over the Utes. Is it unsalvageable? Yes. Unless slash until BYU gets into a power five league of its own and the Utes have a coaching change. I don't think that matters. Even if BYU gets into a power five? Well, you the key word here is superiority. It's not being able to beat these guys, but they haven't been able to win 18 out of 20 when, and dominate when, them. Yeah, when they were in the Mountain West from 93 on, BYU wasn't superior. So everything was equal there. They still had the greatest coach they've ever had, Lavelle Edwards. They were in the same conference. But they but, split games through the 90s. Right. So they can get back to that level. That's at two different levels. The one the superiority is the key word here. Can they compete and win five out of 10? Yes, but that's not superiority. What if they got into power five? And, well, and I assume Kyle would be gone at that. And Kyle is gone because we see when coaches change. Sometimes you hit. Obviously, the Utes have hit three times in a row. So obviously, sometimes they hit. 
But at the same time, you look at how Utah basketball has fallen off since the days you were a beat writer. You can't imagine that now for football, but it happens. Colorado was great in football in the 90s, but man, have they fallen off. So you need two things to happen, not just one. Yes. Yes. And, and so get back to me when those two things happen, <laughs> because I don't I don't think they're going to happen. Utah may not be as good as they've been the last few years. That's conceivable because it pretty much happens to just about everybody at some point, one point or another in the conference. So I can see that. But then you're asking BYU to be superior 18 out of 20. I'm not sure I ever see that nine in a row. Uh, I don't know that I see that now. Can it happen? Yeah, I suppose it could happen. But right now, for the foreseeable future, it does not look like it's going to happen. And I promise you, after I die, I'm not going to give a crap. Yeah, I'm with you on the foreseeable future. And if you just look at it at the other side, you know, when BYU is winning 18 out of 20, if you'd ask the unsalvageable question, the youth's football superiority, well, for decades, right? Not just the 50s, but back to the 40s, back to the 30s, Utah dominated BYU. And you're like, well, that's gone. Unless, you know, the Utes get a new coach and Lavelle retires and the Utes get into the Pac-12. I mean, we, you know, we would have been throwing a lot of things out. But over the course of 30 years, all that, 20, 30 years, all that stuff happens. But you're right. You get 30, 40 years out from now. I don't, I don't see you and I being very focused on this in 40 years. <laughs> no. Yuck. Yuck. Reach across into the gray beyond and let us know how it goes. Unless there we already know. I would guess you'd have an idea. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, you Shasta trailer has already posted a, uh, is this a, uh, a photo? It looks like a, I don't know if it's a photo or an artist rendering or an actual photo of the, of the old salt palace drum arena. It's up there on Twitter. It's on your, he, he tweeted it at both of us, PK. So you can, you can check that thing out. By the way, a lot of you are sending in really funny stuff of stuff that's unsalvageable. But if you think I'm going to read it, nope, I already read the Goonies thing this week. I've hit my quota for the week. Yeah, there's one on there. Avoid. I'm done. Oh, there's more than I one. Know there's more than one, but there's one on Facebook. There's one on Twitter. Twitter yeah. yeah, you've seen them too. You can go read them if you want, but I'm not reading them. Not on the air. Just in the break. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Locks here at 8 o'clock. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my DJ and PK brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st Century Utah. Get started now. Syringanetworks.net. All right, what were you watching last night? <clears throat> I've uh, started, and i got two things going now, PK. I don't really traditionally binge watch. I'm not quite that patient. I can't sit down and just like for eight hours watch something straight through. And I know there are people who do that, but I'm, I'm just not wired for that. I can't really watch an NFL triple header. And that's going to, you know, depending on the length of the games, that's going to be nine or ten hours, right? I, I got I to gotta break it up a little bit. I, you know, I can't quite do it. It works for me on a college football Saturday, even though I'll watch parts of all four games. I don't tend to watch the early games. They don't 
they're not usually that good. Occasionally, I put like an Oklahoma, Texas in there or something. Uh, but my day's naturally broken up because I, I change to go into work. I drive into work. So it kind of breaks it up a little bit. I'm doing stuff at work when I'm there. So even though I'm kind of into it, I'm not completely focused and locked down. But the two things, I'm cruising through a couple things now. And one of them, I think you've referenced before, Aerial America. There's uh, 68 of them on demand. I checked on my service and I watched, I just watched them in order. And the first one was Hawaii, zooming around uh, islands on Kauai and over golf courses on Maui and black sand beaches and volcanoes on the big island. That was pretty cool. I don't know how long it'll take me to get through the other 67, but one down. Well, I would think it would take you 67 hours because they're uh, an hour long. Yes, but will that take days, weeks, months, years? I don't know. Lifetimes. <laughs> no, it won't take a lifetime. What were you watching? Then you, then you forget, and then you got to go back and watch it watch again. Watch it again? I could watch Hawaii a second time. That was pretty cool. Do it a third time. I dare you. No, no, I'm not going to do it. Nothing. I was TV free. I hung out with friends, relaxed. Nice. Had, had ice cream. Ooh. Which flavor? Uh... The Sherman something or other. Sherman? Sherbet or something. Oh, Sherbet. Okay. No, of course not. There's, It's got to be some form of vanilla, chocolate chip, those types of things, Uh, or cookie dough. Oh, cookie dough is a classic. No, I don't don't have that Sherbet. Do I look like a Sherbet guy? If it's handy and it's served to you, you'd probably eat it. I don't think you'd pick no, it. No, no. The only thing I pick are zits. Come on, man. Oh, man. We had a nice <laughs> conversation going, and then you had to wreck it. Like you've never done it? Yeah, I know. It's There's part no of growing up. up on the radio. It's Americana. Ah. It's who we are. So, no, I took a – I did watch uh, actually earlier in the day – on Major League Network. I don't know why. I watched uh, some All-Star game. And then I watched the Pirates. They had a little thing on the Pirates. Uh, was that uh, the Willie Stargell run? The 1979 We Are Family World Is that Champions? What it was? Yeah, okay, okay. I they, had a bunch, they had a bunch of good teams in there, but obviously the world champs are the ones who get celebrated. But they had a run of about a decade where they were really good. Yeah, and the thing that really jumps out at me, and I've said this before, is the number of U.S. Af- African-American guys. You just don't see it anymore. Yeah. And as a baseball fan, it really, really bothers me because there were so many great, great American black players, and they're not playing the game as much. I mean, the numbers go down almost every year, and it's really bothersome. I don't know that it'll ever come back, but it's not being played in a lot of communities the way it used to be. And it is something that I think as a fan, you know, you just don't, I don't like it because so many great players back. Are we missing out on this era's Hank Aaron? Are we missing out on this era's Willie Mays? Are we missing out on this era's Bob Gibson? Are we missing out on this era's, I mean, you just keep going. And you just went with stars. You oh, went yeah. With, with, right. Yeah, but the, I mean, I'm just talking. It would still suck for the guy who's a role guys. player, but I mean, honestly, we turn the games on for stars. Yeah, I know. I watched, uh, I was telling you, I was watching that uh, All Star game. When was it in San Diego? You remember the year? Uh, I think it was 78. 
Yeah. Okay. I and, and Raleigh Fingers pitching for the Potters, and I had no idea, no memory. I mean, I remember Raleigh Fingers, but I had no knowledge of him in a San Diego uniform. Obviously, you remember with Oakland. And anyway, they had a guy in there, Larry Heisel, African American dude. He was in the All Star game. No, Larry Heisel is not going to be remembered. Right. Oh, sure. You're going to remember Willie Stargell and some of these guys. Obviously, the guys you just mentioned. Uh, but there was tons of guys, and you don't have them either. And it's a shame. It's a shame. You know, the the parallels between the San Diego sports of my youth and Salt Lake now always amaze me. And maybe it's just the parallels in sports. And I just notice them because those are towns I lived in. But if I'd lived in fill in the blank town, you know, Detroit, Tampa, wherever, it would have, you know, been similar. Um, But you talk about like Raleigh Fingers, but he was a veteran who came in and the A's were breaking it up and the Padres got him and, and they weren't very good. I think they were a 500 team that year. And that was one of their better teams in that era. But the guys that we went to the stadium and watched, the guys who were the stars and the celebrities, the guys who captured the town's imagination, Ozzie Smith, Dave Winfield, and then later, a little later, uh, Tony Gwynn. Well, there's three African-American players. And would you get that today? And the answer is, well, probably not. You know, Correct. just just riding the numbers game. You know, if you look at the 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 celebrities, the stars, you know, whoever I don't know, and the Padres haven't even been any good, uh, but they weren't that good in that era either. So, you know, it's just uh, you know who are the guys, and now it's more likely to be a guy from the Caribbean. It's more likely to be you know a Dominican shortstop, or well, it's a Latin American, yeah, yeah. Latin America somewhere. You're right, yeah. So, anyway, all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're talking hoops with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's coming up next.